All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Our guest today is Julia Goldstein. Julia is an award-winning author and business owner on a mission to make manufacturing more environmentally responsible. Her company, JLFG Communications, helps manufacturers connect business goals, environmental action, and effective communication. Julia holds a PhD in material science and began her career as an engineer in the semiconductor packaging before migrating to writing and consulting. So Julia, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lisa. I'm glad to be here. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you do. Yeah, it's quite the story. I, as I said, I started my career in the semiconductor industry, and that kind of moved, it made sense based on my education. I did a PhD working on solder alloys. And so it, as said, it was a natural lead in in working in semiconductor packaging. And then I was always the engineer who would write. I was the one who was writing the articles for publication in the trade magazines and the reports for the government contracts And when I even look back in college, we had this fantastic program called Engineering Clinic, where teams of students would work directly with a company on a project. I was, my senior year, I was the team lead. I was also the one who wrote most of the report. And my other team members did most of the coding because I did one that involved software because I wanted to get over my, I don't know. I guess, lack of interest in doing software. I'm like, I'm going to make myself do it. I'm going to write some code. They wrote most of the code and we got lots of great people writing code. That's not what I want to do. I then ended up working for a trade publication and it was one of the ones that I had written for when I was an engineer. Again, did that for about a decade. And eventually this version of my business, I founded in 2011 and originally focused on content writing, white papers, blog posts, articles for trade magazines, because I've been on both sides of that and I can understand what the magazines are gonna want. And then really moving much more into doing consulting for companies and bringing that sort of teaching background. I've always wanted to do teaching. And how did your early experience in production control help you in your career? Yes, that was a job I got right out of high school. It was actually the company my dad worked for, so I had an answer, who you know. But the next summer, they hired me back with a raise. So that was on my, because of what I did. In any case, when I first became an engineer... Sometimes I'd be working with the people in production control and I understood their frustrations. I understood that when we would change something about a design, what they had to do on the back end. 
And so it just, I think it's really helpful to work in different areas of business to understand what it looks like for people sitting in some of those different places in a company. Well, and it's also where you really are focusing right now is on sustainability, which is a huge thing for all industries, but particularly in manufacturing. So talk a little bit about that. What you got, what got you interested in it and why is it important for manufacturers to pay attention to? Thanks. I am a materials geek ever since I decided to pursue graduate education in material science. And I just became so fascinated with all these amazing materials that engineers could invent. And you could tailor materials to have these very specific properties. I started becoming more concerned about the health and environmental impact of all these fascinating materials. And I think it really coalesced around the time I decided to write my first book, which was in early 2017. And I said, I want it to be about materials because that's my interest. And I also really want to be about making materials better. How are these materials? People don't, many people are not aware of where plastics and metals come from. I think more people are right now. People know, oh, plastics come from fossil fuels. But I think even five years ago, people had no idea. And I wanted to really bring that in. And the more research I did, the more people I talked to in developing that book, the more I became convinced that it was truly the way forward. And I remember thinking, okay, 2018, this is the right time to bring forth this message. And in some ways, it was almost too early because not as many companies were willing to listen to it. And today, they absolutely are. And companies of all sorts can improve their sustainability. If you have office buildings, you can think about, are you keeping the lights on? Do you have reusable coffee mugs instead of disposable ones? That's nice. The companies that are making products have a long supply chain, have to deal with all the energy and resources used to make these products and package them and ship them around the world. We need all sorts of manufacturers to really think about how they can improve what they're doing so that they use less resources, so they conserve energy, so they don't produce as much greenhouse gases. So what do you find are the biggest reasons why manufacturers are going into this kicking and screaming? Why don't they, why are they fighting sustainability in some of those cases still? I think a lot of them, they still seem to think of it as something that's going to cost them more money today. Depending on where they are, in say the supply chain, right? Who's buying from them? Who are they selling to? Their customers may or may not be prioritizing this. What they may be hearing from customers is we need performance, we need cost, we need fast delivery. So therefore that's what they're gonna prioritize. And they're looking at those short-term quarterly earnings and keeping those customers happy. What they are 
often not thinking about as much is the long-term repercussions, the long-term problems in that eventually those customers may say, oh, we need you to show us what are your greenhouse gas emissions? What are you doing about being environmentally responsible? Are you polluting our waterways and our cities? And if so, we don't want to do business with you anymore. So it's more of a long tail piece of things. It requires a longer term thinking. And it's there's also a psychology that says, if I have an immediate problem that I need to solve in the next hour or the next week or this quarter, that's going to demand my attention. If I have a problem where if I don't do things right, I'm going to have problems in two or five or 10 years, it's harder to feel the urgency. Mm. And so when it comes to costs involved in that, because obviously there are some, but what are some simple things that manufacturers can do to get started? It's really about taking a look at what are you doing now? It's that audit of your processes, of your supplies, of your suppliers. It's looking for maybe there might be opportunities that you can actually save resources. So there may be, oh, we can save here by investing a little bit there. And a simple example is stuff like changing out lighting, right? There's gonna be a capital expense to change to more energy efficient lighting, but it will pay off. They're also, it's really good to involve employees throughout the company. Those people who are actually out there on the manufacturing floor making the products may see opportunities to reduce waste. And sometimes consultants can come in and give a solution that would seem almost simple and obvious. And it will reduce scrap. It will really help efficiency. And they just haven't thought about it because they're used to this is just how we do things. We have this process. This stuff goes over here and then it gets shipped out of the building and I don't know what happens to it. But if the employees ask those questions, what happens to it? And how much scrap are we creating? And how can we do it better and empower all the employees to have a say based on what they are seeing and experiencing that they can make suggestions? Well, and a lot of times in workplace culture, it's creating a safe environment to begin with where employees trust management, not only trust management, but they like them well enough to give them ideas that can save them money and make more profits and all that. So again, when we're looking at starting that very process, um, maybe if management doesn't have the best relationship with their employees or they really are going to try this time, <laughs> what would be some baby steps that they could do to get started with that? The top management needs to decide that they really do want to make those changes and to admit where the communication might be breaking down. One 
option. And again, it depends on the size of the company. Say you've got a company with 500 employees. Have a town hall where the C-suite is there giving a presentation saying, here's where we stand. Here is what we want to do. We want to become more environmentally responsible. We know that we need to do something. We want to listen to you. And to take questions without dismissing them. To make it, okay, we really are going to listen. And how are employees going to know? Okay, they said it before, but they're not really going to listen. Something needs to change in terms of the mindset where, yes, they are going to listen. They're going to let people know that they heard them. People want to feel heard. They want to feel that they can bring something up without either being dismissed or worse, feel like they might lose their job if they complain and say, this isn't working right. Because that's a real fear. And sometimes employees might remain silent because they don't want to be the whistleblower. And if you can create a safe environment within the company that where employees know, okay, who should they talk to? And what can they say? And hopefully they can really be open about what's going on. It reminds me of a couple of years ago, I was speaking at a conference and they had chosen, I believe it was for water for their, uh, just to make people aware of environmental impact where they showed those guys those two guys who started surfing it was supposed to be this beautiful area in the world and it was just completely cluttered with plastic so they started this whole movement i had never heard of never had no exposure so i think that there's something to that of making it compelling and interesting and allowing employees to understand the impact that we humans have on the planet and like you just said, reinforcing that with the company mission that comes from upper leadership and that employees, you know, they really are open to their feedback and their ideas that they have. Because those employees know their job and they know what they're exposed to a lot more probably than the C-suite does. Yes. And they might learn about something that maybe affects employee safety. There's usually a great mechanism for that. They can work with EH&S and say, okay, we need some better protective gear or better filtration or something like that to deal with making a safer workplace. They can also maybe bring in an environmental benefit saying, if we are handling, say, hazardous waste better, not only are the employees safer, but that's less hazardous waste to deal with and figure out how to dispose and pay costs for. And if you're not paying the costs and you're accidentally releasing something, there are serious consequences to that for the community that often, I don't know, companies don't always think about that. But I think it's also important to go in with an understanding that yes, you can't just easily and quickly solve all these problems. And I think that really gives the employees the opportunity to feel a part of a bigger mission too. 
of this is the difference. This is the amount of waste that we saved from going into landfills because of your efforts. This is what happened. I think just going to the airport and one of the things I look for when I'm filling up my water bottle is I want to see how many water bottles were saved. I want to see that number. Uh, and it's just these little things that I know. And then my online thrift store read up that will show how much my purchase, how many gallons of water it saved because I'm using what I say is OPS other or OPC, other people's clothing. <laughs> but it's just these little things that I think employees look for and they can feel better just by knowing these little differences that they are making and the bigger difference that they're part of an organization that's now making too. Absolutely. And to really start those kind of initiatives within before, okay, we're going to shout out to the world that we've saved this many gallons of water or what have you, that having those metrics within the workplace is absolutely a great thing. Because as you said, that tracker that says, how many plastic bottles did you, has this device saved? Okay. Right. Let's see what we can do. And that's some of what gets measured is what matters. If all the company is measuring is quarterly revenue, then that's what matters. And if it costs 10% more per part to change something out, there's going to be that, oh, no, that can't happen. But mm -hmm. if what's being measured is more than only the revenue piece, then it indeed can make sense. And there's all kinds of different ways. If something supplies are going to cost more, there's different ways to work around that and figure out how to absorb those costs. So do you have examples of companies that you have worked with as far as the before and after or some of the things that they did to put together a successful sustainability project? Some of the examples that I have seen are where they offer a challenge for employees to come up with ideas that can help mm. with. And it, some of them are for environmental. Some of them also might be social issues. They might be dealing with DEI in the workplace. So they can there's sometimes there's an overlap as well, because one of the important pieces is employee retention. Right. And attracting more employees, especially the younger employees. The right. new graduates out there getting jobs are wanting to make a difference. So by including them and by saying, okay, we're going to have this challenge and we're going to give feedback to everybody who responds to let them know we heard your idea if they can't implement it or not right now to let the employees know why. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of, I worked with a golf course several years ago and they would pay $5 for every idea. They didn't care what the idea was. If the employee had an idea as far as how to make money or save money, like one thing in the snack shop, the employee wanted thought that they should use the 
overripe bananas in banana splits so they could cover them with whipped cream and people wouldn't know that they were overripe. And they got five bucks. And then at the end of the year, they would pick the best idea and that person would win like $250 or whatever. But it was such an easy idea and the tens of thousands of dollars that those $5 increments saved the company and made the company. So it's not like you have to shell out money, but if you're just having fun with it, not taking yourself so seriously that, hey, and then I had another client, what they did is they would have on a whiteboard in the office, they would have what you wanted on one side and what we did. So when it comes to integrating those two of getting the ideas from the the employees, and like you said, you can't act on every single idea that's out there. But if you let the employees know that they're being heard, you're rewarding them for their efforts, having some fun with it along the way. It's though, And the employees see that they're being recognized for those things. That can make a huge difference in the culture again. Yes. Yeah. And I'm starting up a new program that is an assessment about where companies lie on how well they're communicating their sustainability initiatives and strategies and policies throughout the company, where there's a questionnaire for employees to answer. There are individual interviews where employees can one-on-one share what's going well, what isn't, what do they care about, and say, okay, Are there disconnects? Are there mismatches? Or are there areas where the company is doing really well and they should celebrate? Because on this scale of one to five, there are four. That is fantastic. Many companies are not there, right? Five is the best. And do you want to get to five? Here's some ideas. And again, and if they're scoring lower, it's that that's maybe a message of, okay, there are some maybe quick wins to just Something as simple as that town hall. And that might be a new thing for the employees. Oh, we had no idea that our company is wanting to do this. And we appreciate it. Yeah. And going into that town hall meeting with only a thank you for sharing attitude. Yes. As I've seen this, actually, I just had an audience member last week that was doing stay interviews. He decided that he had heard about him, thought that he'd start it. But unfortunately, when employees were giving him their honest feedback, he fought with them. He tried to justify it. And and he admitted in, in front of a room full of people that he messed up because it should just be thank you for sharing, even knowing that some employees are going to just use it an opportunity to vent. Maybe there's a seed of something, of an idea that you can use going forward. So just no matter what employees say, just remember that. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's, it can be a tough thing for all of us to be able to take criticism without getting defensive. Exactly. And I know that you have a, your newest book is out beyond the green team. So what are some of the main takeaways that that you cover in that when it comes to sustainability? It is primarily about communication. And the book is aimed at manufacturing companies. We talked earlier about why manufacturers are really the key to making a difference here. 
And there's a chapter that's really about that internal communication piece, why it's important and really critical to start within your company. And then moving to the external communication, because the marketing team is already talking about what you're doing, what the products are, this initiative, that initiative. What are they saying about sustainability? Is there perhaps a reason to pause and rethink what you're doing inside? And then make sure that your messaging outside matches. It is a very tricky thing to do. Also talk about the issue of greenwashing, which has become more a buzzword. I don't know if you're hearing it where you sit, but- What is it? What does that mean? Greenwashing is where a company will brag about their green credentials, saying, we are saving the planet because we are- Packaging your product in a cardboard box instead of a whole bunch of plastic. But it's not telling the story about some of the other things that the company is doing that are to the detriment of that. And so it's really overselling those green Mm. credentials because, oh, we better talk about being green and being sustainable and being eco-friendly. Or here's our new eco-friendly product and all the details about that. And what's behind the scenes is that's maybe 5 or 10% of their portfolio. What's Mm. going on with the other 90%? And so the trick is to be honest about things, but not open it up. So then the people are saying, oh, 90% of your products are terrible to the environment? Oh, goodness. That's awful. So it's a really tricky mix in terms of figuring out what to say when. And again, I think that humility, that being able to admit if you had a misstep in that area without getting defensive is going to be a critical path forward for companies. So as we're getting to the end of our time together, what would you say would be your number one strategy that a manufacturer can look at and start to implement to be more sustainable? It's really education and awareness is think about what your company makes and why you're in business. What is your greater purpose? How can your company make a positive impact on society? And again, that's going to look very different for each company. Yeah. With that lens, how can better environmental sustainability support that mission and purpose. And if people did want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? At my website, which is jlfgoldstein.com. And also you can get a copy of the new book there at the bookstore. And I will have a special discount code for your listeners. Okay. All right. Awesome. I will include that in the show notes as well. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Julia, again, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.